Welcome everyone. This is Tamini Farah and you're listening to Tamini in Motion. This is a podcast series devoted to speaking with people who have overcome obstacles and have created a new identity. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Odelia Shargin. Odelia is a registered somatic movement therapist and educator, as well as a body liberation advocate and owner of Movement Bliss. Welcome, Odelia. Hi. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited to speak to you about your new endeavor and your journey. Um, I, I first want to ask you to maybe explain a little bit to our audience what a somatic movement therapist is. Sure. Um, yeah, so uh, somatic movement therapy is a practice that listens to the body and gives it permission to speak its truth through uh, body awareness and movement. And as a therapist, I act as a witness to uh, the client's story. And it's all done in an atmosphere of radical acceptance. And this work connects to places in the body that need support and invite our inherent intelligence to foster deep healing, which is all right there uh, in the body, the ability to to heal. Um, Yeah. You know, um, I want to share with our audience the way you and I met initially was about five years ago. And um, I, I've always uh, been a dancer and, and moved and, and used my body to express uh, my own uh, creativity and pain. And I was at a particularly um, difficult point and I needed something. And I just kind of stumbled upon your Shake Your Soul class, which really was quite transformative for me um and i want to thank you for that um and and so you know i think for most people they don't think of dance as something that actually is healing Mm -hmm. can you speak to um embodied movement sure yeah and yeah yeah. we we uh it's true we often think of dance as something that's more uh performative uh, and maybe sometimes we focus on the technique um, side of dance, but uh, dance and movement have such uh, amazing transformative and healing powers as well. If we let it come from inside, from our uh, more intuitive places, and uh, this uh, practice, Shake Your Soul, and the other practices and uh, uh, offerings that I uh, have that I uh, offer are uh, all coming from this place of finding that more intuitive place, which can be incredibly healing because, again, uh, we're listening to what's coming from inside. And often that can lead us to places that we're not so connected to in our everyday lives. We're more, uh, we're mostly uh, live in our intellect, uh, in our culture in particular. 
And a lot of our behavior is guided by our thoughts and by our intellect. And this is a more intuitive place. Uh, yeah. Yes, we, we, you know, as a therapist, um, I see how people hold so much pain and somatize so much of their pain in parts of their body that they're not even aware of. They, they don't make the connection between, let's say, a headache or a backache and a trauma that has not been expressed. So um, part of my mission with this podcast has been to open up actually this um, way of thinking about things and introducing people who might not have thought about this as a way to express themselves. Um, now, can you, can you go back? You use the word intuitive. And um, as a body liberation advocate, I know that the intuitive piece um, is, is very important. Can you speak directly to that and explain to us what that means, body liberation advocate? Yeah, um, I see myself as a body liberation advocate. Um, and I came to this place um, as part of my own journey, uh, well, in general, in general, to uh, uh, my goal has been to become more intuitive and more uh, connected to my body. Uh, and uh, part of it was being left out. Uh, and I realized that more recently in my life that uh, I struggled uh, when I was younger, when I was teenager, with an eating disorder. And uh, I... Um, when, when uh, it got to the lowest part, uh, I was able to get myself out of it, uh, seeking help, seeking therapy. Uh, and I thought that I had healed th that part, but uh, more recently I became aware that there's much more that uh, I need to do in that area. And <clears throat> my whole life I've been... <clears throat> Um, struggling with accepting my my body and how it looked and um, I uh, came to the to to a place where I couldn't keep uh, engaging in the same behaviors that I thought were uh, I thought were okay because you know this is what everybody <laughs> this is what everybody does in our society we're so caught up in uh, trying to control how we look in order to um, <clears throat> to uh, appeal to a certain standard that uh, somehow has become the norm. And I just caught myself being in that uh, in that um, uh, path in this cycle. The cycle. Yeah. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. I, uh, it, it came to a point where it became so restrictive and so much of my attention and my uh, time and my energy uh, was dedicated to thinking about my body and what I'm eating that I didn't want, I didn't want that anymore. I knew that there were so many other things that I wanted to 
to do in my life. And all of that uh, obsession takes up so much mind space. Uh, and I just uh, decided that I wasn't going to restrict my eating anymore. And my biggest fear was that my body was going to change. Uh, and, and that happened uh, because when you go through weight cycling uh, and uh, you're going, you're dieting in and out, your body feels like it's uh, under starvation. And under these conditions, uh, the body doesn't know that you are dieting. Um, what happens is that the, the metabolism slows down and uh, every time that you're trying to lose weight and particularly if you're doing it in like a very um, intensive way uh, the body gains the weight back weight back and then it gains a little bit more so that was my biggest fear but i did i couldn't keep doing that anymore so i had to accept the fact that my body was going to change or that it might change. For some people, it, it doesn't, but uh, that was one of my fears, and, um, and it did. And I had to deal with that, and I had to figure out how to live in my new body. And as someone who works with the body and with intuitive, uh, intuitive movement and wants to become... Uh, more intuitive with their uh, with their eating, uh, it was a really um, it was a really good challenge for me to uh, uh, try to accept myself the way I am and also become more connected to my uh, internal signals, my uh, hunger and satiety cues, yeah. which became totally confused. Uh, because of uh, all the restriction that I've done through the years. Uh, so, yeah. Odelia, I want to ask you something. You know, um, you, you uh, use the term body liberation as opposed to body positivity. And I was wondering, uh, what, what do you see the differences in those two terms? Yes, um, Body positivity is, uh, I think, a movement that started, uh, I don't know when exactly, I don't, I'm not really um, uh, versed in the exact history, but it, the, the body positivity movement started around this idea uh, of trying to break this cycle of uh, uh, you know, trying to appeal to a specific uh, image that our society wants to, wants us to to fit into, but then it got a little uh, co opted in the in the uh, more recent times, and um, people who are uh, you know promoting body positivity. Uh, sometimes mm -hmm. take it to a place where, you know, you have to uh, have a positive attitude towards your body. And that's not always possible because I know right. uh, from my right. own experience that there are days that I really 
can't find this place where I feel positive about my body and it doesn't matter how much I talk myself into it. And so I feel like um, the, um, the idea of acceptance or there's also a term called body neutrality uh, which means that, you know, you're uh, basically accepting even the fact that you can't accept <laughs> your body in a specific mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. uh, and you understand why uh, it's hard to accept it. And that has to do with the idea of body liberation. Uh, it is a liberation movement because we are not aware um, of the extent to which weight stigma and fat phobia, uh, ha you know, has an effect on uh, on our lives. I mean, there's so many uh, oppressions out there that we are now talking about. Uh, that at least you know some some of us are more um, understand more than others that the effects of different oppressions like racism, like anti-Semitism. But I think that weight stigma is a big uh, oppression that uh, is part of everybody's lives and, and we don't understand how it affects each one of us, whether we're thin or we're, uh, or we're large, you know, it doesn't matter. It affects everyone. And so it's a really, it's a, it's a movement. Yeah. The body liberation is a liberation movement from uh from weight stigma that's how i feel and that's how i see the difference hmm yeah okay that's that's an important distinction i think the um you know what you were speaking to before about the positivity versus the liberation um that translates to you know in, um there's a uh, positive psychology movement that's that's been in play for for about a decade but i find that also to be quite oppressive because there's such an emphasis on a positivity that really denies um, our human mm -hmm. experience which is you know to experience all sorts of emotions and feelings and whether it's about our bodies or our feelings or our relationships or you know whatever we we all are complex and um, that's what makes it very interesting but um, regarding the stigma um, you know I I'm fascinated by how ingrained and generational this uh, stigma is it gets passed down sometimes it's subtle sometimes it's it's quite overt but uh, it's a very deep-rooted thick um, classist uh, socio socioeconomic piece that's ingrained so that's that's what you're you're fighting against right that's what the the advocacy exactly is about. and that was uh you know when i was struggling with an eating disorder i had no idea that this is not personal it all felt so personal to me it felt like you know i was in a really difficult time in my life you know teenager years are not easy for anyone uh, for the most part, but uh, for me, there were other things at play and I was trying to find my place and I was trying to 
fit in and I was going through a lot. And I thought that if I only look a certain way, then all of my problems would be solved. But I didn't know, you know, no one told me and, and it all started uh, from someone, uh, you know, uh, uh, men that just commented on my body and how I, uh, I, gain, I gained weight. So uh nobody told me at that point you know you're okay as you are and this is a problem in our society no one's like no one said that you need to look a certain way and <clears throat> i thought that it was my problem when this is uh really whenever we deal with with any oppression one of the po problems is that we tend to to see the effects of it as something very personal, but it's not. And, and we don't mm -hmm. know that, True. especially when we grow up. Yes. Everything's mm -hmm. personal as, especially as a teenager, because your identity is being formed and you were also, um, not living in the United States, right? You were in, in another country. Yeah. Can you share with the audience? Sure, where you were I was living in different places, and that was part of the uh, part of the difficult difficulty. Part of the struggle was that I didn't really have a, a strong sense of belonging because I moved a lot. I moved from one place to another, um, but it turns out that you know the uh, uh, effect of this uh, oppression uh, has uh, is is. You, you know, larger than than the U.S. It's uh, it's something that I think we suffer from in uh, a lot of the Western uh, Western culture. Uh, and yeah, I grew up in Israel for uh, for many years. I lived there, but uh, I traveled to South America, and I was actually born in Argentina. Uh, and by the time I was 13, which was when I started uh, uh, with this, uh, uh, you know, struggle, I moved around like maybe uh, 10 times. And that was a, a, a really big deal. And when I started working on that, I, uh, you know, I realized that it had a lot to do with trying to fit in, trying to feel like I belong, uh, which is often the case, um, you know, when people struggle and, um, and there's, uh, um, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. right. When there's a, there's a feeling of insecurity mm -hmm. around whether you fit in, this is a way that young girls in particular try to take control of their lives, uh, thinking that this, this is going to be the magic bullet, as you said. Um, do you find that the American culture is different from the Israeli culture or some of the other cultures you've lived in, in terms of the fat phobia? I think that it's very uh, strong here in the U.S. And, you know, the, the world is very affected. I know Israel... Uh, Israeli culture is different in a lot of ways from uh, from American culture, but there's a lot of things that uh, are imported 
Uh, and this is one of those things. But from what I uh, understand, you know, from the research that I've done around this, uh, the U.S. has a really big um, uh, emphasis on dieting more than uh, some other cu cultures. And uh, there's some people who think that, uh, you know, also the, 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 what is considered the, the obesity epidemic. And I put obesity under quotation marks because, uh, I mean, that's, that's a whole separate topic, but in, uh, you know, body liberation, uh, circles, the obesity epidemic epidemic is not a real thing. Uh, but some, some think that, you know, the, that, uh, um, phenomenon has to do, uh, with dieting more than everything, more, more than anything, uh, else, because again, you know, the restriction causes a lot of, uh, uh, weight cycling, which causes a lot of problems, uh, health problems, uh, and other mm -hmm. things that, uh, you know, weight gain. Uh, so, um, so I often, uh, I, yeah, I, I was often, I was thinking, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, finish no, it's your okay. thought. No, I, I, I often think that, um, the, the, um, culture supports this, um, because in the United States, because we're such a melting pot and it's almost like the great equalizer, uh, you know, we're all coming from different places just inherently because that's what this country is. And um, this is the one thing that we all basically have in common, which is we all have a body. And no matter what color it is, what what religion we are, what how much money we have, how educated we are, we all have a body, and it's something that kind of is something we all share in. So there's a mass marketing and a mass media, you know, type of hold that has on all of us, like we're captive because it speaks to everybody. Um, I think that's part of what the issue is. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I never thought about it this way, but it's a very interesting point um, and a very, yeah, interesting perspective. Uh, some of it also has to do with the history of this country uh, and uh, racism. Actually, there's a scholar, uh, Sabrina uh, Strings, that talked talks about the racist roots of fat phobia, and that how and mm -hmm. how that's uh, connected to slavery, and I find that also very interesting. That it's it's a it's a, another way to uh, make a distinction uh, between uh, white people and uh, people of color and black people. So uh, uh, that that's another tool. Yes. Uh, and uh, again, the the beauty standard in general has uh, everything to do with the white Protestant, um, you know, uh, standard of beauty in this uh, in this country. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very historically rooted in um, in in the United States in in the formation of our our country. I know you had recommended mm-hmm. a book to me, which I read with the fear of the the um, black mm-hmm. body, and um, it, it was quite interesting in terms of that how again the roots of this are very very deep. It's not a superficial um, uh, part mm-hmm. of our history. So I. I wanted to ask you about um, your studio, Movement Bliss, which I I love the name, and um, maybe you could share with our audience some of the things that you offer and your workshops and tell us us about that part of your work. Sure. Uh, So I offer a few different things, and you mentioned Shake Your Soul, which is a mindfulness-based movement uh dance class uh it's uh quite joyous and um um intuitive but also there's enough structure in it for uh people to feel safe like they bring they can bring their own self but there's also uh the structure of the movements that i offer Uh, i also offer somatic movement um therapy sessions, private sessions, uh, and I uh, talked about it uh, earlier. And uh, and right now I'm offering my Embodied Acceptance workshop, which is called Embodied Acceptance, Compassionate Movement for Body Love. And it's a five-part, 90-minute movement experience in which we work towards acceptance of the whole self body, mind, and soul. And as we said, diet culture and weight stigma have taught us to be at war with our bodies. And if you live in a body without acceptance, you're being drained of your power, your joy, and the sense and your sense of worth every day. So this gentle and loving online uh, group workshop offers a way into deeper awareness, body liberation, and uh, personal growth through the essential act of moving. And each class begins with a discussion about one of five facets of body acceptance, followed by a series of movement explorations to unlock, engage, and empower the body. Uh, Discussion and writing prompts along the way help ground and solidify the ideas from body to brain. So the workshop starts on April 25th and it takes place on five Sundays from 4 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, to find more about it, you can go to movementbliss.com slash embodied dash acceptance and you can also find me on facebook and movement bliss and instagram uh movement bliss uh and yeah (laughs) yeah i would highly recommend anyone who's interested in this topic whether it be embodied movement or the the um body liberation 
uh, to follow you because you you write beautifully and um, your your postings are really interesting and obviously very well thought out. So I, I think it it helps give people a vocabulary even if they're they're not um, ready to kind of uh, explore this further. It just it opens up different language and I think it's very provocative to start thinking about things in a different way. Um, which is a challenge because, you know, we're all quite um, inundated with messages that we don't even realize that we've been getting Mm -hmm. for years. Um, And especially, you know, as a psychotherapist, I deal with young people and it's it's very intense, the media, uh, the, the, the social media deluge of messages that um, I think as an older person like myself, I, I have a little bit of a filter. Mm-hmm. It's even hard for me because it's very seductive. But um, I think for teenagers and young adults, it's, it's, it's very difficult to filter out some of these um, messages. So um, I really encourage everyone who's listening to take a look at, at your mm-hmm. sites. Um, I was wondering, I mean, obviously this is gonna be right. on Zoom. The, the, the workshop, right? Uh, you know, I'm just curious because I know my own dance experience of the last year during the pandemic has been, um, you know, it's been an interesting uh, shift. It's it's convenient to just go into a room somewhere and, and take a dance class, but the dance is so inherently mm-hmm. communal and you get so much from other people. I'm wondering how that's affected you. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely a transition that I had to do along with everybody else. Uh, But it also has some benefits. And one of them is that uh, it's more accessible to people and people from different places in the country and in the world uh, can join in this experience. And even though it's not exactly the same as an in-person experience. I think at least from the feedback that I've gotten from students uh, that it has given them a lot of um, of hope actually, you know, the, at the most difficult challenging time in this pandemic, uh, you know, there's a, a little bit of a sense of community, even even if it's online and we're not in the same place, you know, we were able to somehow um, stay connected and also sometimes figure out how to translate some of these uh, exercises that we uh, are more interactive in the studio into uh, into an online experience. And it's 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 mm-hmm. really nice to see when that happen when that happens when you see different people moving in their squares and there's a little prompt to notice each other and to interact with each other and like it's 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 quite magical to see it um, you know to zoom out and and um, see everyone moving mm-hmm. yeah 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 so, Odelia, this has been such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, 
I, um, I hope that maybe you can come back again as you know, your workshop progresses and your experience out there progresses. Um, I'd like to follow up with you. And I want to just uh, remind our audience that um, this is Tamini Farah, Tamini in Motion. And you can follow me on Instagram at T underscore motion number, with the number nine. And uh, thank, thank you, you again. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.